0: Let's go uh, Luke 24, Luke chapter 24. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the text up on the screens behind me in just a little bit. Uh, we also have some physical Bibles scattered around the room, little racks underneath the seats. If you don't own a Bible, we would absolutely adore for you to take that one home. The reason for that is pretty simple. We, we think God's Word is important. We think it's effectual for his purposes. Uh, We believe it's the thing that he uses to to convict us of sin and draw us to repentance. We believe it's the primary means by which he makes himself known to us as his creation. And so if you don't have a Bible outside of this place, we would absolutely adore for you to take that one home and start reading it. We think God will use it in a big way. Uh, Luke chapter 24. It's time to start a new series, right? It is after Easter. I mean, I know it doesn't really feel like spring yet, uh, but it's, it's after Easter. It's in the rearview mirror. We've got some new stuff that we get to look at today. I'm kind of excited about it. You should be excited about it because, you know, that's how that works. Um, <laughs> why are you laughing? Now, we got some, we got some uh, really cool stuff that we have planned. Uh, the artwork's right there. Uh, Garrett did a great job. I hear Lauren gave him a lot of insight. So as you pat Garrett on the back for that, also give Lauren a high five because she's kind of proud of the in, involvement that she had in it. And so uh, we're calling it the story of God. Uh, it, it's pretty simple. Here's, here's the, the, the gist. We think God is doing something from beginning to end that's much bigger than what's going on in this space. All right, and so uh, here's, here's the premise of the series. Uh, we are going to primarily uh, look at character studies in the Old Testament. Adam, Noah, Abraham, you, you get the picture, right? You can probably keep going with that list. So we're going to primarily look at character studies in the Old Testament, at least the major players. It's going to take us about six months as the crow flies to get through all this. Um, but we got a bunch of other stuff that we're thinking about, you know, kind of interspersing in between. We want to take breaks for vacation Bible school and things like that. And so it'll take us much longer than six months to get through all this, but about six months. Uh, and we have plans for the New Testament, too. All right. Um, but that's a long way from now. And we'll deal with that when that part comes. Uh, so for those of y'all who are new to National Baptist Church, uh, maybe you've started hanging out with us in the last 10 months or so, uh, it'll be helpful information for you to know this as well. Uh, this is going to be what's called a topical series, all right? Uh, so we're, instead of parking ourselves in one place in the Bible, like we did with our last series on the book of Ephesians, we're going to be bouncing around all over the place, all right? Uh, and. That, uh, Ephesians was what's called an expository series. We, we looked at every verse in the book of Ephesians and just kind of parked ourselves there for months. All right? And there's, there's value to that. There's, there's really good things with that. Uh, but we're going to do a topical series, so we're going to be bouncing around all over the place. And so why do we do that? Well, one, because it's valuable to have both. We think both of those types have, have merit to them. And so uh, what we want to do with this series is give you a whole Bible kind of perspective uh, over these characters. Does that sound like a win? Yeah. And so why why don't we just go to Philippians next? Like we finished Ephesians. Why don't we go to Philippians and go all the way through that? That would be valuable, and we may do that one day. But we want to give you a whole Bible perspective of these guys for now. But in order for us to set ourselves up with success, before we can run off and take this party to the book of Genesis, we're going to put Adam on hold for one week and go there next week. To set this up properly, we actually need to look at something in the Gospels. All right? It'll frame all of this for us correctly. And it's actually an appropriate story uh, for today, for the week after Easter, because this happened the very first Easter. We read this uh, during our outdoor service Sunday morning last week. Now we get to take a longer look at it. Luke 24, we're going to start in verse 13. Now that very day, two of them, two followers of Jesus, were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all of these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing it together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Okay, so time out. So many of you are quite familiar with the death and resurrection narrative, if not homework. All right, go back tomorrow and or this afternoon when you get home Luke 22 23 and 24 okay so go read those accounts but i would imagine that most everybody in here because it's the week after easter not easter itself has heard the death and resurrection narrative before but we can give you the just basic nuts and bolts of it okay all right so jesus has been publicly executed like, like that's got to be a tough time for people who have been following him around for the last few years right like these guys had, had put all their hope in this one dude, this one guy, that Jesus was going to be the guy to, to restore Israel to its place of prominence in the world, right? That he was going to be the guy to, uh, to, to finally uh, be the king that Israel needed and show those dirty old Roman occupiers what's what. But instead, he is flogged and publicly executed in a way that is intentionally designed to stretch out that execution for as long as possible. Like, like these followers of Jesus who have been following him around for a few years now, cower in the corner as they watch the guy they hoped would change the world, is instead made a mockery of by his executioners. He is literally torn to shreds. And as a great statement of this is why you don't mess with Rome, he's hung on a cross. Probably a tough weekend for those guys. Right? Jesus dies, they the darkness of what we call Good Friday had no light at the end of the tunnel for them. They they walk through what was probably for them an unbearably long Sabbath day. It's been a rough weekend. They get up Sunday morning, and to make matters worse, there's all these rumors flying around now that the tomb is empty. I mean, did somebody steal the body? I mean, there's these ladies that are saying that Jesus is alive again, but they don't really know who to believe. And then all of a sudden, Jesus pops up beside them. Hey, guys. A couple of things to point out. Number one, Luke tells us that Jesus didn't allow them to know it was him. He disguised himself, he says, right? And so Jesus is going to play this little cat and mouse game with them, which personally I think is awesome. I don't know about you. I, I love to think of Jesus that way, kind of messing with these guys. All right. But the second thing we can point out is this. Um, this creates all kinds of problems for people who doubt the resurrection and ascribe to an argument called the swoon theory. The swoon theory is essentially an argument that says Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He just passed out from the excruciating beating that he took. Seven miles. Anybody really interested in going on a seven-mile hike this afternoon after we get out of church? Some of you might be. Not this guy. I I don't have a whole lot of motivation to go on a seven-mile hike Right now, if I had been beaten within an, to like just an inch of my life, do you think I'm I'm just itching to go for a run? When they crucified him, they drove a nail through his feet. There are literal holes in the swoon theory. There you go. The pastor in the room got that. So Jesus comes alongside these guys for a seven mile hike they don't know it's him how about we look into what they talked about right think that might be fun today look at the next verse verse 17 and he said to them what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk did jesus know what they were talking about Cat and mouse game, I love it. He says, what is this conversation that you are holding with them as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Verse 18. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? All right, time out. Um, I will commit right now in front of everybody, this is being recorded, I will be best friends forever if somebody names their next child Cleopas. (laughs) It needs to make a comeback. Just saying. I'll make that promise right now. One of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And my love, verse 19. And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed. That's an understatement. And word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned uh, to death and crucified him. Verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things had happened. Moreover, some of the women in our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Verse 24, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So these two guys run down all of their problems like they just unload on jesus the guy they apparently don't recognize all of their heartache right and jesus just kind of kind of lets them do it right he just kind of listens quietly for a moment i think most of us would probably think that the next step from gentle loving sweet compassionate jesus would be to like reveal himself and calm all their fears Right? Isn't that the picture we kind of want of Jesus? Oh, no, 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 guys, it's okay. Here I am. What, What does verse 25 say? And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Okay, so I'm not sure if you picked it up in the tone. That ain't gentle. Right? He calls them foolish and slow of heart. Can I give you Texas translation of that? Bless your heart. (laughs) I'd give you the New England translation, but we're recording this, and there's a lot of curse words in there. (laughs) Right? The implication from Jesus here is that they should have known better. They should have known better. And that they just read their Bibles a little more carefully, a little deeper they wouldn't be having this little existential crisis they're having right now. That's what Jesus is saying. If if you had believed what the prophets had spoken, we wouldn't be talking about this right now because we'd be on the same page. Jesus isn't gentle here. It's actually kind of matter of fact. Look at 26 again. Was it not, what's that word? Jesus uses the word necessary. So follow me here. The Old Testament doesn't simply hint that Jesus would come and he would die and he would rise again. It's not even a strong enough statement to say that the Old Testament promises that Jesus would come and would die and would rise again. The Old Testament teaches that this had to happen. It was a requirement to happen. That salvation does not happen without this occurring. There's logical conclusion to all of this. So let me walk you through something that a lot of people don't seem to understand. The cross was not an accident. I think a lot of people put it in that category, right? But the cross wasn't an accident. God God wasn't just, he didn't turn his face away for a moment and lose track of the sun. Where'd that boy get off to? Let all those meanies do their dirty work. This was the eternal plan of God from before the foundation of the world. The resurrection was no accident. It wasn't a, oops, we messed that one up, let's, let's put him back together real quick. He shouldn't have died here, kind of thing. It was the eternal plan of God from before the foundation of the very world. Look at verse 26 again. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Sin must be atoned for. And God wasn't sitting around waiting for us to do it and then go, Oh, I guess I better help him out. It has been his plan all along to be the star of this story. It was his plan from the very beginning to be the hero of this story. And I can prove it to you. Look at verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning who? So Jesus begins to walk through the writings of Moses and the prophets. Okay. Question we have to ask this morning. Is Moses one of the prophets? Not to a first century Near Eastern audience. Two, anybody reading Luke's gospel, all right, Moses is immediately synonymous with two things. The Torah... The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, which he's the author of, and the law, God's commands to his covenant people, which is found where? In the Torah, right? So with the Torah, you get the the story of the patriarchs, the history, the early history of God's people. And it it tells you how how sin has wrecked every good thing and and how God is redeeming and raising up one family to be the family that brings blessing to the rest of the world. And so we get that story in the the Torah. And then we, we got God's law, right? Charlton Heston goes up on the mountain and he brings down tablets made of stone with Ten Commandments on them, right? Commands that are supposed to help God's people live in proximity to an infinitely holy God. That's what people are thinking when they hear Moses. So to read verse 27 correctly is to say, yes, Jesus is talking about the prophets here. He's talking about way more than the prophets. When Luke tells us that he, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them and all the scriptures, the things concerning himself, means that the picture that Luke is giving us is that they walked down the road for seven miles with Jesus saying things like, hey, you remember the story of Adam? That's really a story about Jesus. Let me show you. And he walked them through that. Hey, hey you know Noah? Remember that guy? You know where he does this thing and it creates the opportunity for this thing to happen? Hey, you know how Jesus did that in a far, far bigger way? I wonder if that's a shadow of what Jesus was going to do. Hey, you know Noah? Have you ever heard of that guy? You probably have. Or have you ever heard of Moses? Like on and on and on and on for seven miles. Seven miles. Jesus walked these guys through the scriptures and said, that's about Jesus, and that's about Jesus, and that's about Jesus, and that's about Jesus. In another encounter later in this chapter with another group of people, Jesus goes through the same kind of explanation again, and Luke tells us that time that the Psalms are added to this explanation. The idea there is that just about anywhere you look in the Bible... You're really looking at the story of what God is doing through Jesus. Sometimes that's outright typology. The two guys, when you lay their lives up against each other, their stories up against each other, they're obvious shadows and it doesn't take much to to point it out. Sometimes it's just God working powerfully in the life of somebody who has no business being anywhere close to him before that. Sometimes it's watching the gospel play out in someone's life. Every story is ultimately about him. Or as my favorite children's Bible likes to put it, every story whispers his name. So what do we do with this? Right? Starting next week, we're going to attempt to do the same thing Jesus did probably less less awesome still try we're going to walk through the whole bible pointing out how each of these stories are really one big story about jesus theologians call this sometimes the meta-narrative of scripture we're going to bill it as the greatest action adventure drama the world will ever know <clears throat> ours is catchy Later on, when we get to the New Testament, I actually think it turns into the greatest chick flick ever. Some of you are rightly asking, how does that work? Well, the writer of this story is much more talented than anything Hollywood has ever churned out. He can pull it off. But that's down the road. Right now, Old Testament. The greatest action-adventure drama the world will ever know. Now, can we hit every single character that you'd like to see in there? Not even close. Right? not even close if we tried to do that we'd be here for a decade maybe some of you maybe some of y'all want that i don't all right. No, now we, we're only going to try to hit the major players we're aiming at about 20 ish depends on what the calendar has for us and what god allows us to do can we hit every single circumstance and, and variable in these people's lives the ones that we do cover not even close In the same way that you can't tell the story of all that God has done in and around and through you in 40 minutes, right? So we're just going to have to hit the highlights. But, But I think we can get somewhere in the 40 minutes that we can give it, right? I think we can get somewhere good in the time frame that we have to commit to it. But why? Like, why would we do this series, right? I mean, wouldn't it just be easier to open up to Philippians and go to the next book of the Bible and walk through that verse by verse? Yeah, maybe in some ways. Definitely involved being less creative than this. Why do we do it this way? And Why are we going to do this series? Three reasons, actually. Number one, because it will help us know our Bibles better. We're going to walk away from here knowing the Bible better. I told you all back in January that, that personal Bible reading is one of the things that I want us to work on as a church uh, for this year. I, I'll just go ahead and lay all my cards on the table. I have ulterior motives in this series. Surprise. I have every intention, every intention of using this series to excite your hearts for good things. I mean, can we be honest? One of the reasons people don't have personal Bible reading discipline is that because they feel like the Old Testament is this big complicated thing and they're they're they'd rather just stay away from it that that may not be everybody's excuse but it is for some i want to use this series to give you lenses for these stories that take you well beyond moralized tales i want you to fall in love with the old testament through this that's reason number one it'll help us know our bibles better the second reason is that it will help us know the gospel better The gospel has depths to explore that go far deeper than we can ever begin to flesh all the way out. But it might be valuable to see how the gospel worked in the lives of people in God's story long before us. Think that might be a good thing? Think it'll help us see and understand and make sense of the gospel better to see how God worked in and through the lives of the faithful long before us? And some of you may be asking, but those guys all lived before Jesus. How does that work? They didn't know Jesus. They didn't know the gospel. They kind of did. In, in a way. Because they are saved the same way we are saved. They just looked ahead instead of backwards. And if that's a new statement to you, you need this series as much as anybody else does. But we'll get there. We're going to do this because it helps us know our Bibles better. We're going to do this because it helps us know the gospel better. And here's the third reason. I think this series will help us know our God better. I think this series will help us know our God better. Let me say it unequivocally. We want everyone in this room to know Jesus. In this room, outside of this room, anybody we can get in this room. That's our goal. And it just might be valuable. Just might give us lenses to see and understand how God is working in our life by looking at and seeing how God made himself known in their lives. I think that'll help us get somewhere. It'll train our eyes to see what he's doing today. So, those are our hopes. For the series as a whole. I think it'll be valuable. But I'm biased. But what about this morning? How do we respond to God's word today? Well if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus. Your response is to press into God this morning. Through the means by which he's given us to know him. Right? Through the scriptures. Now, does that mean that, that that God doesn't make himself known through other things? No of course not. But those things are periphery and confirmed by his word. It's no accident that every week we start off our time here by me saying, repeating over and over again, that, the, that we believe the Bible is the primary means by which God makes himself known to his creation, right? You think I repeat that just because I want to fill time? It's because I want to bury as deep inside of you as I can this as a knee-jerk reaction. Like when you see a Bible, I want your knee-jerk reaction to be going, that's where God is found. And so I repeat myself every week. If you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, you press into him through his word. As Christian, fly to the one thing where he is guaranteed to give you himself. But we can take another step this morning. Maybe we need to repent of how we've seen the Bible. Maybe at a core level we've seen it as something that was meant to serve ourselves. And we've distanced ourselves from it and we've seen it incorrectly and we've pushed it away. Listen, not because it's not good, but because our hearts were longing for something else and we went to it chasing after the wrong thing. Maybe that's where the disconnect is. This ain't your story. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than the collective us called Nashua Baptist Church. There is one star of this story. But he is good and he has invited you and I to play a role. It may be smaller than we hoped, but this story has no comparison. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing... We'll have a couple of leaders up front to hear, here to talk with you and pray with you if that's something that would be helpful for you this morning. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, man, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I say it every week. I hope this is, this is a safe place for you to work through the truth claims of Jesus and his gospel. Keep hanging out. Keep asking questions. You know, provided you're not scared of him winning to yourself, winning you to himself, right? Like, if you just keep, keep hanging out long enough, we think that's what he's going to do. Keep hanging out. Keep pressing in. Keep asking good questions. But listen, maybe today, maybe today is the day where you want to take that step of faith. How do you do that? You meet the one that this story is all about. You confess your sin and you trust him alone for salvation. Maybe today is the day you're ready to take that step. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. We'll have a couple of folks up here to talk with you and walk you through what that looks like if that's something you're interested in talking about. But let's all respond to God's word today. God, you're good to us. Thank you for the Bible. God, I... Just to be honest, I I see it as something that's meant to serve me a lot of times. Not because I don't know better, but because... My heart is inclined to to selfish motives. But God, this story is not about me. You are the star. But you're good. And you bless and you are gracious and you invite us into a story that has got cosmic implications. God, would you help us to see you on every page? May we find you in the scriptures. God, for those who don't know you yet, would you use the scriptures to open yourself up to them? Reveal yourself to them. Change people today. Draw people to yourself this morning. As we sing and as we respond, would you save people? God, we love you. In your name we pray.